Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, to my left, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. Welcome to the program, Neil. As always, thanks for having me, Lance. I appreciate the camaraderie and the fellowship here. We're anything on a cloudy, overcast Thursday morning here in Pittsburgh. It's a bit earlier out in your world, I know. But, uh, yeah, always a good time. Let's get to it. Well, you know, I won't make you jealous with the temperatures out here because they have been in the high 70s. Uh, But but that's weird, though. I mean, I'm, you know, as a Pittsburgher myself, a North Side guy, Manchester kid, you know, I'm used to a nice little crispy fall. But definitely I do not miss winter. But let's jump right into it. And we teased this episode on Tuesday's show. I think it was Monday's show about how the Steelers can acquire Russell Wilson to be the starting quarterback for next year. But before we hop into that, I want to make sure you guys know how you can hit the show and contribute and help us grow the audience. And you can do that by going to YouTube, doing a search for the new standard in Lance Williams or Neil Kong, Kulong, excuse me, hitting the like and subscribe buttons. Also, the podcast is available on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. And before we hop into the show, I want to give a big shout out to show sponsor, the Mem Seed Company. Make sure you go to Mem Seed Company. Do a search for Mem Seed Company on Google and you'll find their information. They are selling an online course, a tutorial course, and a mentoring course uh, for the Christmas season. So make sure you check out Mem Seed Company. But before we jump into how the Steelers can acquire Russell Wilson for next season. I want to jump into the first segment of the show. Numbers don't lie. The offensive post game. Let me give you a couple of numbers, Neil. And this is going to tie in sort of to Tomlin's comments, but I just want you to speak to the number when you hear it, that the Steelers defense is allowing 24.3 points per game. And they allowed 41 points in consecutive weeks. I don't know how old you are, Neil, but I'm going to guess you're younger than me. (laughs) Let's say it that way. And do you ever think, did you ever think there would be a day where I could say the Steelers would be giving up 24 a game and allowing 41 points in consecutive weeks? What's your thoughts on both of those numbers? Honestly, I'm not sure that's a, that that's even the only time that's happened recently. Um, it, it's not so much. I mean, it's not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not at all going to suggest this is a, a positive trend um, for the Steelers, a, a team that was supposed to have a, a far better uh, defense, at least on paper, uh, heading into the season. Uh, a lot of injuries have affected that. But overall, what you're seeing is 24 uh, points a game. That used to be a, a pretty – downtrodden number i think nowadays in the nfl it's closer to average um teams are scoring a lot more points it's a lot harder to stop them defensively and we know exactly why uh you can't hit quarterbacks except for a very small narrow area that gives 15 yards to an offense players get fined um upwards of forty thousand dollars for hitting defenseless receivers down the field It, it is harder to play defense in today's game than it was 15 years ago so looking back on uh, even the Steelers' last Super Bowl team, a team that was a, a dominant defensive unit, if you watch those games, there's a penalty and a fine at least in every game. I mean, that, that's not saying that the Steelers play dirty or anything. It just means that uh, it, the game was played differently than what it is now. Uh, the league came in, regulated a lot of it. Perhaps they kind of had to, to some degree, to avoid the, the, the pending litigation that they were facing and are still facing. Um, I mean, the, the reality is 24 points a game, is not terrible defense anymore. But 41 points a game certainly is, and that's the trend where the Steelers are going. Uh, They give up 16 to the Lions before uh, 41 to the Chargers, 41 to the Bengals. They give up 27 to the Bears uh, the game after holding Cleveland, uh, uh, what's turning into a really bad offensive team, to 10 points. It it has not been a consistent uh, defensive unit all season, and I think injuries play a large part of that. But – uh, the trend is is definitely going down. That's what's more important. It's not so much their overall uh, effort. This isn't week one anymore. You know, they're, they're way past that. They don't even have a Mel Ingram anymore. 
Um, they may be without TJ Watt this weekend. Uh, you can only assume that it, it's going to be uh, pretty tough sledding for him defensively again. Before we jump into my next number, thanks, Mel, for pointing out that Felicia has a birthday tomorrow. Happy early birthday to Felicia, the first lady of the new standard. Big up, Felicia, and happy birthday to you. And hopefully the Pittsburgh Steelers can give you a happy birthday gift this Sunday with the victory against the dreaded Ravens. Let me jump into another number on the defensive side. The Steelers are currently averaging, or excuse me, their defense is giving up 4.8 yards per carry, which is 31st in the National Football League. And the way I grew up consuming football and learning about football is if you can't protect the trenches, and if you're not good in the trenches, and if you're not good up the middle between the numbers, you're going to be compromised defensively. There's very few teams I've seen in my life to be absolutely abysmal in stopping the run, but could actually win. One of those teams that comes to mind really quickly was the Indianapolis Colts team with Peyton Manning. I think it was the first time they won a Super Bowl, and I believe they were 32nd in terms of run defense, in terms of yards per carry, but they still won the Super Bowl because they had Bob Sanders, but more specifically, they won the Super Bowl because they had Peyton Manning. I remember a game where they got absolutely destroyed by Fred Taylor and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think they gave up maybe 300 yards rushing, got destroyed, terrible on the run, but they played the run well in the playoffs for like three games. Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning. I believe this is the one where they beat the Chicago Bears and they win a Super Bowl. 4.8 yards per carry, Neil. 31st in the National Football League. This is Pittsburgh. Last time I checked, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the organization prided itself on stopping a run and being a physical bunch. This is embarrassing. And I'm, I understand fully why all of those men who wore the black and gold went apoplectic this week and ripped this defense. When you hear a number 4.8 yards per carry, 31st in the National Football League, what does that scream to you? A uh, problem with the defense, for sure, to, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, it, it's, it's a basic fundamental thing, and this is something that you'll hear. A large part of why we're hearing uh, veteran Steelers players uh, sounding off about their defense in particular, their effort, is because they're giving up run yards like they're giving away candy. I mean, it, it, it's bad. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're not incorrect in their assessment. It's a team that's not stopping the run, plain and simple. And if you look at it statistically, half the league has allowed 304 or more uh, rushing attempts. The Steelers are at the bottom of that with 304. Their 4.8 allowed is the highest, tied with the Minnesota Vikings, their uh, Week 14 opponent in Minnesota. Both of them have allowed 11 touchdowns. Um, it, it, it 1,464 yards for the Steelers on 304 carries. That's a, that's a hefty season for a running back and they've only played 11 games. So you're looking at a team that legitimately is well on pace, uh, to allow over 2000 for the season. I'm not sure how many times they've done that. Um, the 17 game thing is going to probably mess with those kinds of stats for a while, but 103, 133 rushing yards per game is second or excuse me third among those teams trailing the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions those are two teams that are going to be drafting in the top five this year and perhaps with the string of of uh, play the Steelers are on right now uh, they're not going to be too far behind that and a large part of it Lance like you're pointing out is going to be due to a run defense that uh, is hapless and a large part of that again not to keep bringing up excuses uh, they're without a lot of key defensive linemen now, you have to look at defense. You, you bring up middle of the field a lot, and I think that that's a valid concern with the team, not to, to get baseball-y, but building your defense oftentimes requires you to dominate the middle of the field. With the Steelers right now, their defensive tackles who aren't named Cam Hayward uh, struggle mightily, and they're hurt on top of that. They're not getting good play from their linebackers, I think largely in part because they're not getting good play from
Hopefully we haven't lost Neil. Hopefully you guys can still hear Neil on the program. Please, if you're in the chat, let me know if you can hear Neil. Because I'm not hearing Neil on the chat currently. Uh, please let me know if you can hear Neil. Neil buzzed off. Neil will hop back on. But when you look at the run defense, I, I think, and we'll jump to it um, a little bit later in the program, but that 4.8 yards per carry 31st in the National Football League is, is really bad. I mean, when I looked at that number, I was absolutely shocked. Actually, I wasn't too shocked, you know, especially when you see the Steelers play against Joe Mixon and how that worked, how that worked out and how that shook out. I mean, you could really see the issues up front. And I think it's a combination of, of various things, but we'll jump into that. But when you give up 4.8 yards per carry, I mean, that that's, that's, you know, that's trying to protect your house with the front door open. I mean, you can't do it. You know, if you're going to protect your house, you've got to close all the windows and close all the doors. Um, and to Grayson's point, they are just decimated on the D-line. I mean, that's part of it, but I don't think it's all physical. And, you know, some of it is assignment. I mean, to, to assess it, and we'll talk about it more, hopefully Neil can hop back on, to assess it, you first have to assess whether the players involved are doing the assignments correctly. So you have to be gap sound um, before you do the assessment because if you're not even gap sound, you can't assess the physical part. And I think that's the frustrating thing with this defense, particularly uh, in stopping the run, is that they aren't necessarily gap sound play to play. And being gap sound is a play to play thing. And it's pretty frustrating, I'm sure, for the coaching staff when they look at it. And again, want to apologize. Neil dropped off. Um, hopefully, Neil can uh, address his issues in terms of with his internet. Let me give you. On the flip side, because I think when you look at this football team right now, the issues are primarily or the, or the issues that jump out immediately is that this football team is bad up the middle on both sides. So right now, the defensive line is struggling and the offensive line. And so in this next point, with numbers don't lie. The Steelers are only averaging 3.7 yards per carry. So they're only running the ball for 3.7 yards per carry. And that's a great comment by Double H. Neil's Wi-Fi is not gap sound either. <laughs> that's great. So they're only running it for 3.7 yards per carry. But they're giving up 4.8. I mean, you rarely see that differential in a football team where in terms of rushing yards, it's a full yard difference. Just look at those two numbers. If you run for 4.8, if you're giving up 4.8 yards per carry, you're in second and fives consistently. Or if you're on second down, second and shorts, or, or second and mid, let's say you're in a second and seven, I mean, you're getting into a third and two. So by giving up five yards per carry, you're in some bad down and distance situations consistently on defense. By only getting 3.7, you're in some bad third down situations on offense. You're in some third and mids, third and longs, because you can't run the ball consistently. And let me just give you a couple, an, a, another number. When you look at this Steeler running offense and you look at the Steelers being bad in the trenches, in the last two games, they've only run it 30 times. They ran it 15 against the Bengals, and they ran it 15 against the Chargers. Now, both of those games kind of got twisted because of the score. The Steelers had to pass the ball a lot more. But in the last two games, they've run the ball 15 times, excuse me, 30 times for 100 yards. Against the Chargers, they ran it 15 times for, four point, for 49 yards. And against the Bengals, they ran it 15 times for 51 yards. And that just shows you, and uh, Double H, I have to defend my guy. Neil's Wi-Fi is gap sound. 
Neil is back. <laughs> That's good. His That's wife, good. His Wi-Fi is gap sound. Now, but I don't, now it is. But I don't know if you heard me talking about Neil while you were while you were in uh while you were being uh double teamed and blocked and blown out of the A gap um <laughs> and watching running backs run for 4.8 a pop. But on the offensive side of football, the number that I wanted you to speak to and the contrast is this is a football team that's giving up 4.8 yards per carry, but only getting 3.7. And the last two games, the Steelers have run the ball 30 times for 100 yards. So you're talking about a football team that is in compromising down and distance situations because of the running game on offense and on defense. And when you have those struggles on both sides of the ball, it's by luck merely that they're five, five, and one. When you're that bad up the middle, you're compromised. And the analogy that I used while you were off was, you know, if you can't defend your house with the front door open. And, you know, when you're giving up 4.8 yards per carry, your defense is going to be compromised. Speak to just on the offensive side of football and just the contrast of just how bad they are running it and how bad they are stopping. We, we knew going into this season they were not going to be able to run the ball uh, particularly effectively. It would have taken a miracle for them to get to the point where they were going to be able uh, to gain much consistently on the ground. It, it, it's been a focal point of the team all offseason. They added personnel specifically addressed, specifically geared to address that problem. Statistically, I don't think we're going to see much of an improvement on it. I didn't think that we would. You've heard me say this. I like Najee Harris as a player. Najee Harris is not going to fix the, the problems that they have. It's going to take a concerted effort, and it's going to take time. They're going to have to build this, and they are. Um, we've seen them run the ball well at times. We've seen Najee perform pretty well. The problem is if Najee is the only guy uh, carrying the ball and they're giving it to him 25 times on the ground and four or five times in the air, he's going to wear down. And that's a lot of what we're seeing from him now. He's not going to say that. The team's not going to say that. But he doesn't look half the player he was at the start of the year. He's not fresh anymore. They have nobody else. On top of that, now you have B.J. Finney playing over Kevin Dotson, who's who's on IR and might not be back for a little while. Um, they just lost Joe Haig, a backup, I think, to four positions on the offensive line. So if they get hurt, it, if, if any position gets hurt uh, during the Ravens, they're going to during the Ravens game, they're going to be in real trouble. So you put all these things together. They weren't able to make enough ground, pun intended, um, to, to really satisfy their, their statistical hopes. They, they weren't able to reach that. And it's only going to go down from here, too. So, yes, in, in, in a way, they're not able to protect their own offense by running the ball, which is something they needed to do, considering the lack of ability they have a quarterback. I don't think the receivers are as good as people think that they are. They're rebuilding at tight end. They weren't going to be able to do much if they couldn't run the ball. And that's where they are. Because to be honest with you, I don't think the defense can get any worse, but the offense can absolutely get worse still. They, they have a ways to go. And I would say this more than anything, it, it wasn't luck that they got five wins. They actually performed. They, we had good offensive showings. We saw them do that. We're probably not going to see much of that for the rest of the year, in my opinion. But Tomlin will pull something out. They'll have a 30-point game somewhere that we didn't totally expect. Things will go their way. They'll be able to scheme up something. But top to bottom, we're looking at probably a D grade offensively for the year. And a large part of that is the amount of time and effort they put into trying to develop a run game uh, that didn't work. They fell on their face at the midway point of the season. They weren't able to recover uh, or or really build anything from this point on. That, that's just where they're going to be. Speaking of Mike Tomlin, I want to jump into this next segment, translating Tomlin. Mike Tomlin said a lot this weekend, and I think it's going to combine both segments translating Tomlin and changes and fixes because he said a lot about both this week. Let me let me preface it by saying what he his first quote. What you can't do is continue to do the same things that you can be doing that you have been doing and expect a different result. We're open to some schematic changes. We're open to some personnel changes. Obviously, they won't be drastic in nature, probably more subtle in nature, but hopefully significant, significant obviously i had to throw obviously in there because i've noticed he's been using nature more this year 
<laughs> instead of obviously, but I wanted to throw it back to obviously, and I'll say obviously in nature, things have to change. <laughs> uh, and he went on to say also, it might be a repositioning of people or it might be leaning on depth as a strength. We don't overcomplicate things, but we are open to change when change produces or has a chance to produce a desired income. So he's laying out a framework around change because obviously change is always going to be positive, allegedly. Translate, first of all, in your mind, what do you think the changes will be on offense and defense, personnel-wise, and possibly schematic, briefly? But translate this Tomlinese into real lingo. Quote. Let me give you a quote. When you have a red paint, you paint your barn red. That's kind of a motto or cliche that we live by at times. That's what I mean when I'm saying we're open to change. Is it people and insertion of people? Yes, if it potentially makes us better, but not for the sole purpose of change. It may just mean the alignment or configuration of the moon, stars, the planets, the earth, green stars, green diamonds. I'm just throwing in Purple lucky charms in there. Yeah, exactly. green, <laughs> I'm throwing in lucky charms in there of people in an effort to highlight areas, maybe where we have depth and maybe minimize some areas where we don't. What the hell is Tomlin saying? Who, who, are, who, who are who are who's the depth? here that i miss there, there is no depth they don't they don't it, what he simply what he means by we have red paint you paint the barn red that means we play with what we have and that's what they're doing people who hear we're going to make changes flat out expect ben to get benched they expect devin bush to to go away they expect wholesale changes across the team that's not what they're going to do because they can't okay they're, they're not capable of doing that and they are not going to experiment in the middle of the season with say buddy Johnson who hasn't dressed for a game all year. They're not just going to stick him out there. If he's not ready to play, that's the red paint. This is what we have. We're going to paint the barn red because that's what we have. I know that people don't like that. I know that people are going to misquote Einstein saying, if you keep doing what you're the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over again. That's not what the quote is. And Einstein's not the one who said that, by the way, they are going to make changes but they are not going to be changes that you're going to notice very easily. But the game of football is, is in the details. If, if Cam Hayward, for example, everyone calls Cam Hayward a, a five-technique defensive end. He doesn't play the five-technique. He plays the four-eye. There aren't a whole lot yes. of people that are going to talk about that openly, but really what that means is he's more of a defensive tackle. This is why he gets all pro knots, both at defensive end and defensive tackle. He essentially plays both from that position. Uh, my point is that not that Cam Hayward's going to go anywhere, but we saw last week Cam Hayward start in the opening drive playing nose tackle. That's a that's a pretty big change, but it was only for one series. Clearly, it didn't work because they don't have anybody to play defensive end. But that's another story. And and, and just I, I hated that. I, I I hated him playing uh, on the nose. I just think that's I don't blame him though. That's that, that's, but yeah. That's, yeah, I think that though to get to the second part is closer to the change for change sake which is what Mike is talking about in that quote. He is going a long way and using very ambiguous language intentionally to say, we're not going to overhaul the team the way that you want us to. And I know I'm going to get stuck down that rabbit hole if I say we're going to make changes. Then you're going to ask me what changes. Then you're going to call me out after the game because 17 guys didn't lose their job. And he doesn't want to get into that. What he's saying is, we are what we are. You change these things in the offseason. You don't overhaul your team in the middle of the year. There's too much stuff that goes on to get the people ready to do that. If you change everything up, everybody is going to be worse than where you are right now. Rule number one of the NFL, it can always be worse. No, it does not get better just trying something. People lose their jobs by doing that. Nobody is interested in doing that. Now, we want to talk about security and why you probably should be a little more open to things than, than most teams are different conversation for a different day where they are right now they're not eliminated from the playoffs as as angry as fans are about where they are as a team myself included 
they're not going to overhaul that at the very least until they are absolutely out of playoff contention. Right now, they are not that. It, it, it's not going to happen, Lance. You and I both know that, but they could rattle off four wins in a row. And they're in the division hunt if they do that. It, it, again, it's not going to happen. But that Mike Tomlin is not allowed after 11 games to sit and say, ah, we're done. They're, they're, they're at 500, essentially. That's not out of anything. So what they're going to do is yeah, adjust where their problems are and try to fix what they can to keep the, the, the car moving. It's just not easy to change a tire while the car is moving. And that's what most people want them to do. It's not going to result in anything better. I know that we have a negative uh, perception of what's going on, but you, you can't just do that. Tomlin's not going to say that. He's going to use oddly appropriate metaphors about paint and barns and things like that to say we are who we are. <laughs> We can't change this anymore, okay? There's no paint coming in. We have one color. This is what we're going to do because this is what we planned on doing. They did not plan to play the entire year without Stefan Tuitt. They did not plan to, to, to sign Tyson Alulu to have him come in and play like 40 snaps. They, they have fundamental problems defensively that they need to fix, but there are only so many options that they have to fix that. That's what he's saying. So if we look at the defensive side of football, and, and four eye just means the inside shoulder of the tackle. And, you know, you guys can take a look up and look up gap techniques and stuff like that. I just means inside. Um, and it just depends on where the defensive end or defensive tackle aligns himself. Yeah, uh, and the, the, the point snap. that I'm making by bringing that up is not to argue what he is or he isn't. I said that he's not as much a defensive end. Uh, he's at the end of the line, and most people would consider that to be a defensive end, but he takes on more of a defensive tackle technique, right. meaning where he is lining up. The, the point is that if it's, it'd be a subtle move for him to move from one shoulder to another. It would not be a wholesale change, but the team would consider that to be a big change. For what they do defensively, that changes everything that goes behind him, too. That's a big change that fans are not going to notice because fans don't know really where he lines up anyway. Top to bottom, they, they think he Steelers 3-4 defense, defensive end, plays a five technique. They, they don't necessarily know what that means. That's not what Hayward does and hasn't for years. In fact, that you know Hayward became the player he was when he started lining up a little bit more inside. That that was a, a, a direct result of their evaluation of him and what they wanted to do defensively. That it, it, it's a really bad example to use. Just the easiest one to to relate to. Those are the kinds of changes that they might make. It might be something small, technical to us, but it's going to be a big deal to them internally. No, I disagree with you. I think it's a good example. And I think it really illustrates that changes in the NFL largely are subtle. And I think it speaks to the point that you're saying um, that it's a moving train. And because the train is moving, any little slight tweak that you do and at the speed that the NFL is moving, the change is significant. If you use the train metaphor, if you slightly turn the wheel a little bit to the right and the train is going 75 miles an hour, well, hell, you're going to wind up in Minnesota as opposed to winding up in Georgia. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of how it is when the NFL is moving as fast as it is. And just imagine when you add up all those little subtle changes, there could be a change of, in the front with louder milk. Um, with Cam Hayward, uh, with Bugs or any other defensive tackle and how they align themselves. They might tilt the front and, and kind of play that little tilt that they used to do back in the day with Casey Hayward. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows what happens? But it's subtle changes, you know, a leverage in terms of how the, your corners are going to play, uh, you know, how you're going to pass out, pass off certain route combinations. It'll be subtle. But the question will be, obviously, will it be effective? Because I think the way football is presented, it's always presented in a results way, in a big way. Like it's these these huge cataclysmic changes. Like the yeah. only thing, honestly, that most of us fans recognize in terms of changes is personnel change. Personnel, exactly. I mean, that's it. Because you can obviously see that a certain number is not going to be on the field. If and there that, is that a number person is 55, that's who and the number is 55. At. I think it's, that's what Tomlin is saying. Essentially, higher level, we're not going to sit Ben Roethlisberger and we're not going to sit Devin Bush. Um, I'm still on the fence about the last part. 
if Bush is not going to play, they're going to put him on IR. They're not going to sit him and let him practice and then watch and destroy his confidence. At the very least, they're going to give Bush a fighting chance to, to save some of his reputation for the sake of his confidence. I understand that he's not playing well. He's 23 years old. He made 21 appearances in games prior to his knee injury and prior to this season. He's not done by any stretch. He's not playing well either. If they feel they can get away with whoever his backup is right now, they'll put him on IR if he agrees to doing that. But uh, that, that's a different story. They might limit his reps a little bit. That's going to depend on Robert Spillane and his injury situation. He got hurt during that game, and it looked like they, they might have shaken up the rotation with those two a little bit. That's a big change that people probably won't notice, but they're just going to notice Bush being on the field at all. They want a, a blood sacrifice because Devin Bush hasn't played well. So you need to drag him out the side and shoot him or something. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play, but they're not going to bench him in the sense that he'll get zero snaps outside of special teams. They'll put him on injured reserve and just end his season if they're going to do that. And I, I don't think they're going to do that this week. Yeah. The Steelers aren't better if he doesn't develop. And I think that's what I think Steeler nation has to realize. He's a good player when he's right. And they need him to develop and they need him to get better. And he needs to play football in order to do that. The only way he's going to get better is by playing. And that's going to help him regain his confidence. There's going to be bumps in the road. We obviously see that. I think the biggest concern when it comes to Devin Bush is that he's, he's just tentative. He looks very tentative out there and you can't play football in the middle of the field and be an inside linebacker and be tentative. There's bullets flying all around you and you have to be aggressive, particularly in the run game. And I don't think it's a coincidence that his struggles are part of the struggles in the run game. He's not, he's not playing assignment assignment sound football and he's not even being physical when he's making mistakes. So the combination of being not physical and not being in the place that you're supposed to be really compromises this, this defense. And I think Orange Mayer said it best. Big up to Orange, new listener to the program. Steeler Nation is dealing with how to be competitive and sexy tanking at the same time. And I think the Steelers are struggling with it. I think the plan is sexy tanking, but at the same time, they're trying to present the fact that they're competing and and that actually is sexy tanking and that is that's sexy exactly tanking. what it is that's what sexy tanking is See, it's, i i know it, that they're bad i know that they haven't played well the last two weeks they're five five and one and they are a bad team i said this last year before the draft they're drafting 24th overall and their roster suggests they should be drafting 12th that's not a good football team it's not a good situation they got five wins out of this team Okay, to me, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I gave them seven, probably erring on the on the side of optimism as far as what the coaching staff is going to be be able to get out of them. As far as having a veteran quarterback that while he can't throw, he's smart. He knows what to do with the football. They'll they'll be competitive in games. He doesn't turn the ball over. And that will be a decent amount of their games. And to be honest, that's what's happened so far. They are exactly in line with what our entire theory was about sexy tanking. I know that it doesn't look good right now, but 10,000 foot level, this is exactly what we told you was going to happen this season. I said they're going to have a, a, a four game winning streak and two three game losing streaks. They will accomplish that with a loss on Sunday and it'll be week, what, 12? Where, what are we, 12, 13? Yeah, it'll be week 12, five, five and one. They, got, week they got time to add on to that losing streak and they probably will. I, a lot of this too depends on health. Okay. I think they could have gotten pretty easily to the seven win mark if they had stayed healthy, maybe beyond that, if they had stayed healthy, but they needed like optimal health. And they're the opposite of that over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten beat to hell and they're not going to be able to recover that, uh, uh, you know, in time to not declare the season dead by week 15. I, I think it's going to be over by then. Um, they needed health and they're not getting it beyond that though. They're exactly what we told you they were going to be. The live chat, Neil, is sexy this morning. Steelers mm -hmm. Free came up with the Appreciate great it. comment. Uh, can't change a flat tire during a drag race. I like that one. Uh, I, I double you can't H. change the tire while the car is moving. I yes, like the drag yes, race concept, yes. I but... like the drag race concept because I'm like, wow, if you try to change. Yeah, that look, that'll get messy. Um, I love what <laughs> Double H said here. Uh, 
makeup and heels alone don't cut it. I like that as well. I like that's like trying to dress up a pig. You know, you double H, double H was also the one who said that, that Ben's farewell season. It's too bad that this is going away. I, I challenge that all day. It, again, sexy tanking. One, Ben, his farewell year was probably last year when the team spent to the hilt of the salary cap to franchise tag Bud Dupree. They have never tagged a player that they did not intend to sign to an extension. They clearly did not intend to sign Bud Dupree. They brought him back because that was the best chance that they had to compete for a championship. And frankly, they won 11 in a row. It didn't end well, but the, the, the groundwork was laid. They spent to the cap. And knowing that during the season, in fact, that the cap was going to get crushed the next year, this is the result of that. They had to cut a lot, okay? They were already at the, at the hilt. They had already, we talked about this in the last episode, they had already mortgaged Ben Roethlisberger's contract, tacked on a bunch to this season, which they could have gotten past, except they had spent to the, the projected cap and it dropped $25 million. For the first time since the, the artificial cut of the lockout, it did not increase at least 10%. And they kept it even back then. This dropped $25 million. So they weren't in a position to really do anything because they went for it all last season in, in uh, 2020. Again, I know it didn't work well. Please don't remind me. I saw it. Y you can't change the fact, though, that that's what happened. OK, that that's factual. This was not Ben's farewell year. This was he's better for you on the roster than off the roster because of his cap number. You may as well have taken him. They did not expect Ben to do much this season. That's why they loaded up to try to run the ball. It hasn't worked, but clearly all of their moves suggested they needed to run the football this season. You know what? We were very astute, and I'm popping our collar. We yeah. caught it. We caught it. It is sexy, sexy tanking this year. And Ben's the bridge quarterback. Ben's, ben is the first bridge quarterback till the next one. Which is also something we said. Yes. He he in, in one single season. Just like Philip Rivers was the bridge quarterback yes. for the Colts. It's the same he, thing. He, he became the, for the Patriots. He became the bridge quarterback. They're already, like we've said over and over at nauseum. they're already in the plan that the Patriots did. But Ben Roethlisberger is the bridge quarterback. But by, but because he's been, it's sexy tanking. And you take, I, I'm forgetting the let, Let's fans run with the narrative that this is a farewell tour and they're all in for Ben. Yes. Look at every move. Take Objectively speaking, take the emotion out of it. Look at every move that's happened for this team starting two years ago through to now. What you're going to find is they did not have a better option than Ben Roethlisberger on a contract reduction, okay? Totally different situation if Ben flat out refused to do that because they would have cut him. We'd have Rudolph and Ben at, at a higher rate on the cap right now, and they'd be demonstrably worse than what they are right now. So they were able to negotiate as good a situation as they could get by having Ben in there, despite the fact that Ben clearly is in the bottom third of the league as far as his overall ability. He's smart. He, he goes where the ball needs to go, and that's a good thing. He just doesn't have the physical ability to really do anything anymore. And that, that's that's problematic to, to your offense. There's no dynamic ability in their offense. They're not explosive at all because their quarterback can't throw. So it, it's the reality, though, is not that we chose Ben because Ben's going to win us the Super Bowl. They kept Ben, negotiated his salary down because his salary cap number, if they didn't change his contract the way that they did, would have been $40 million, $41 million. They couldn't handle that this year. They had to sign him the way that they did. And with that comes the idea that Ben's not coming out of a game. Unless he can't play, he's playing every game. Just to he, throw that in as well. Yeah, Ben is, ben is circumstances. And to Grayson's point, he wrote, I'm just surprised Steeler Nation had high expectations, expectations Excuse me, for me the team this year. All the trash Bush O-line is just unrealistic and myopic. Myopic is the best word. Come on, Grayson. It's Steeler Nation, man. Hope yeah, Springs that's, Eternal. That's the problem. It's Come on, not, man. Uh, Hope Springs the expectations Eternal are what the they are. Yeah, we they, we built a podcast platform on the idea that fans needed to hear this because it was going to be midseason when the teeth were gnashing and everyone was freaking out and the coaches all need to be fired. So people remember what we said back in March. This is how they're doing this. There's no other way. They don't have an option. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think they've done a damn good job. I thought they had a great draft. 
considering they're 24 overall with a roster that, that merits them 12. Okay. They are twice as twice as good as they really are on paper. They had to fill holes late in the draft and they needed four starters, immediate starters from this draft drafting 24 overall. It's not often teams get into situations like that. And that that's kind of where they found themselves. Yeah, well, I you, thought they did pretty damn well. All things if, considered. If you take a step back and, and, and if you realize that Ben is the bridge and this is part of the program and the plan, then it's fine. If you think they were a Super Bowl contender, then you're off. But let's yeah. switch to the Baltimore game. Let me give you a couple of a couple of numbers when I think about this Baltimore game, and we can quickly kind of break it down, give our predictions, and then we'll jump into how the Pittsburgh Steelers can get Russell Wilson. Here's a number that jumps out to me, and we talked about it earlier in the show when I look at this matchup between the Ravens and Steelers. The Ravens average 4.6 yards per carry, fifth in the National Football League, and the Steelers give up, as we've talked about earlier, 4.8 yards per carry, 31st in the National Football League. Sometimes when you see teams in certain ways, statistically, it doesn't always line up. You know, sometimes, you know, fans, we might think that, okay, they can't stop the run, so we'll run it, and so on and so forth. A lot of times that doesn't work so neatly because that usually has to line itself up if that's your actual strength. If you're not a good running football team, you can't all of a sudden be a good running football team just because that team can't stop the run. There are reasons that you don't run the football well, and that particular team may be able to stop your running game more easily because you don't run it well. But in this case, Pure this is ups. this is a bad this is a bad matchup here. Could be. Could be. They they want to run the football and the Steelers do not run the football well. One thing that the Ravens have been struggling to score points offensively. But when I look at this matchup, this very much feels like a get right game for the Baltimore Ravens running game what's your thoughts when you look at the baltimore ravens running game against the steeler defense i think the ravens are going to be challenged in this game by their their coaching staff internally they are going to challenge themselves more than than they have at any point this season on paper the ravens really should crush the steelers on paper though the ravens should have beat a lot of the teams that they played in in far less of a a, a cardiac issue inducing way um, they, they've had it, it, it. I would honestly equate the 2021 Ravens to the 2020 Steelers. They're eight and three, and you could argue they shouldn't be eight and three. They should probably be about 500. Um, they've, they've allowed bad teams to play with them very close. You know what the difference between the Ravens and the Steelers, as far as the Detroit Lions go right now? Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker hit a bomb of a field goal after the officials gave him three extra seconds to snap a ball in the previous play. That's the difference. They beat him 19 to 16 in overtime. Steelers and Lions tied. They're not top to bottom. The, the Ravens are a team that, that should be a lot better than they are, but they give up big plays at an astronomical level. It's weird how often they give up big plays. Yeah, their passing feels, defense is terrible. Where I am, I, I happen to have seen a bunch of the Ravens games this season. The one that stands out to me is the one against the Vikings. The Ravens racked up 500 yards of offense and needed three possessions in overtime to beat the Vikings. And it's not because the Vikings played them tough or were a better team. The Vikings made six huge splash plays, and the Ravens didn't make any. The, the Vikings got takeaways. They got a special teams touchdown. They had a, a long run and a long pass reception. And the Ravens didn't do anything but, but rack up yards and eventually turn the ball over. The Ravens killed that team in every way except for the score because they gave up big plays. That's been the kind of the, the story of their season. They're better than most of the teams that they play, but they give up big plays. What happens when you play a team that can't make big plays? <laughs> I have a bad feeling this could go, go south pretty quickly. If the Ravens are properly motivated to step in and, and put the Steelers team out of its misery early, I think they could do that. I also have a lot of experience watching John Harbaugh, and I know – on both sides of, the, of the, the sidelines in these games, how tightly wound both of these coaches get. They're usually very conservative when they play against each other. They don't want to allow the big play. They don't want to force the other team to make big plays instead of them. They will, they're will. they content with sitting back and letting the game kind of come to them, 
looking eventually to land a big haymaker at some point. So they, they, they played a little bit closer, a little bit tighter to the vest. That kind of makes me think maybe this might be a close game, even if it doesn't feel like it's all that competitive. But top to bottom, Ravens have advantages pretty much across the board. They, they should be able to, to win by, I would think, two scores against Pittsburgh, a team that home field advantage clearly doesn't matter. I, Baltimore should win this pretty convincingly, in my opinion. But I just get the feeling they're going to make it close. Um, they're going to play it close. They'll control it. They'll win by six or seven, but it, it, it'll go down to the final possession. I'm seeing on a live chat that Joe Murdy can't hear you, Neil, but th- let's just keep going. If somebody else it's probably, can, probably good for Joe Murdy. Can, uh, <laughs> I'm having all kinds of technical problems here. So let, let, let's go on and, and, and confirm it and keep going. If somebody else confirms it, um, we'll, we'll try to make an adjustment here. Um, I, I see where you're leaning in this game, Neil. Let me give you another number on the opposite side, the Steelers offense against the Ravens defense. I think there are two issues that crop up in this game. The Steelers only run it. And I wanted to keep it around the running game because I think what the Steelers have tried to do this year is to make it a less Big Ben-centered offense and to run the football and make this offense about Najee Harris. Steelers can't run it. They're only averaging 3.7 yards per carry, which is 29th in the National Football League, and the Ravens only giving up 4.1 yards per carry. Bad matchups. Teams don't run against the Ravens largely because the Ravens are terrible in the passing game. But I don't see anything about this matchup to suggest the Steelers will be able to run it. But I don't also see in this matchup that the Steelers will be able to pass protect well enough. And that's an Achilles heel of the Ravens. They don't really get after the quarterback. Well, but everyone beats Dan Moore. So, you know, (laughs) on the offensive side of football, I don't see many pathways for this Steeler football team to score a lot of points. It looks like it's going to look, they're going to try to run a football. They're not going to run it. Well, they're probably going to get behind and then, you're going to have a Ravens pass rush suddenly get healthy. The Steelers are a team that I think you can blitz, you can bring extra guys, and not pay for it on the back end. However, the Ravens, like you said, may not want to do it because of their issues in their secondary. But I don't think the Ravens have to take many chances to stop this particular Steeler offense. It's not explosive. They don't run the ball well. I think you can maybe bring five occasionally, but I think they can pretty much neutralize what the Steelers want to do offensively because the Steelers offense isn't a good offense. I think this is a terrible matchup for the Steelers right now, and the Steelers aren't playing good defense. I think the the inexperience, the lack of continuity in terms of pass protection, just everything about the Steelers right now is not right to play the Ravens. When I look at this matchup, I think the Ravens win this game pretty comfortably. I'm looking at 28-16 Raven victory. What's your prediction and score? Um, I I think Baltimore will control it. I don't think they're going to go often for big plays down the field, deep stuff down the field. Um, Brown, Bateman, they're – I, I like Bateman a lot. I was a big fan of his coming out, University of Minnesota guy. Uh, he, he is probably going to be the best receiver that team has ever drafted. I'm not sure if that means much, but he's a the guy they want to get the ball to early. Um, they'll, they'll put him down the field. They're going to use Brown a bit on the outside, try to get him down the field. But by and large, I think they're going to try to really just control this game, uh, play field position and field goal football. They do that a lot against the Steelers. I, I could see it being – a game in which the Ravens really dominate in every way except for the score. Um, but top to bottom, I don't think the Steelers can score points. I think they'll give up 40 again if Ben turns the ball over two or more times, uh, which, you know, I don't know. Flip a coin. That may or may not happen. I'm seeing something like 23-10. Um, I, I don't see how Pittsburgh's going to score. I, I, I do like the idea that um, it, Tomlin put him in pads on Wednesday. Um, I, I think they need that. I think they need the edge. It sounds like players are coming out saying that, the message being sent is is largely coming from Tomlin, which I think it needs to at this point. They have to fix a lot of things. You expect that to to lead to a sharper result overall, but I don't know. I just don't feel it. Um, Baltimore's a better team. I've talked to a lot of people that follow the Ravens closely. They're not real optimistic about the Ravens either. And you watch their games, eight and three might be a little bit of an overreach for them right now. 
but 23 to 10 sounds about right. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a large scoring game um, like, it, you know, a couple of them in, in the past four or five years or so have been. But 23 uh, 10, and it, it's not going to feel particularly close. The score will be closer until the end. Um, it, Steelers really won't be in this game, though. On an injury front, I think what's been the update for for, for Hayden? I, I see that Hayden didn't participate uh, yesterday in practice. Um, is, is he tracking to play? Because I think that's a big injury in this game if he doesn't play. Uh, I think that I, I think there's some issues there. Um, Spillane is a little banged up. Um, yeah, what what's Hayden slated? Is he slated to to, to participate in this game? Let's wait and see um, what happens today. Because typically, Joe Hayden, especially if he's nursing an injury, him not playing on Wednesday or him not practicing on Wednesday wouldn't be thought of as much of a big deal. Uh, they're still listing him with a foot injury that caused him to miss the last uh, the last game. Um, obviously, that would be a big loss as it was. I think uh, as much as I really like. The, the way James Pierre is progressing, I, I don't think he can be out there by himself uh, full time the way that Hayden probably could and be able to, to win the majority of his plays. Uh, we'll see what happens with Hayden. Uh, he did not practice Wednesday, though. That might be considered a, a, a coach's decision. Trey Turner got uh, Wednesday off, for example. Um, ben would normally have Wednesday off. They'll continue to list him as the, the pectoral injury along with the right shoulder injury. Claypool was still limited with that toe. I think we could probably expect that for him for the rest of the year, uh, the Wednesday off. Um, Spillane did not practice with the knee injury. That, that I think, is probably the more concerning, uh, all things considered. Well, maybe, I don't know, probably Hayden. But we've heard that Hayden uh, is expected to play. This really is just kind of a bump in the road for the week. But uh, tune in this afternoon. Let's see who plays and who doesn't. Um, Christian Kuntz, if you didn't know, is the long snapper of the Steelers. He has a hip injury. Um, he did practice, though, so that's good. Zach, Ban- Zach Banner has an illness. It was not uh, obviously listed as COVID, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. And Pat Fryermuth came out of concussion protocol uh, and had a full practice on Wednesday. That, that would be a key uh, component as well. We wouldn't like what would happen to this offense if, if Fryermuth couldn't even play. Allie Howard Species 5618 said, let's get the old Lance magic back. Lance pick Steelers to lose rest of games, and then we go to the Super Bowl. That would be something. Um, that, 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 that absolutely would be something. So we're on record. I think Neil at 2310 Ravens. I have 2816 uh, Ravens. Please put your picks in the live chat, and we'll read some of those off. But let's jump into the title of the show. And sorry that we're getting into it 52 minutes into the show, which is absolutely terrible on my part. Um, and I'll put the time stamp in there so you guys can hear that part. How did the Steelers get Russell Wilson? And because we're at 53 minutes in, break this down for us briefly, Neil. How did the Steelers get Russell Wilson next year? 10,000-foot level in the abstract. They would trade. It would probably be two first round picks this year and 2023. And I would think two mid round picks sprinkled between 22 and 23. The Steelers can't trade their fifth round pick the way they like to, because well, they already have, and they don't have any. And they made a deal with Seattle last year involving their fifth round pick. I believe it was the fifth round pick for, for louder milk. Did they send that to Seattle or was it their fourth? I'm catching on this now because that was part of the deal. Steelers might be able to get their fourth back along with exchanging a pick somewhere else. But overall, a, a substantial package for the Steelers to pick up a, a quarterback who has two years left of his contract. He'll be 34 next season. The value of this is at some point, the Steelers are going to have to either A, pay for a quarterback, B, draft a quarterback, a premium level quarterback, or C, both to some degree. When I say both, I mean, for example, trading a reasonably valuable asset for Jimmy Garoppolo, probably with drafting another one as well. At some point in the next two years, they're going to need to do that. My opinion, you could do all of that now with what what could be uh, the best quarterback who's reasonably available on the market. Question is, how low can Pittsburgh fall to make that pick attractive enough for Seattle to want to do it? 
how much can the Kenny Pickett's of the draft, the Malik Willis's of the draft be talked up in order for Seattle to want to go for a younger guy? And will Seattle see the young quarterback as ready to, to be able to get on the field? They would probably have to sign a veteran to play, or we can continue to see Geno Smith perform reasonably well. The better Geno Smith did when he was filling in for Russell Wilson, the more likely it would be that Wilson would see an opportunity to pardon the phrase, but bitch his way out of town the way that plenty of football players are doing nowadays. Uh, where, where is Seattle going at this point? Wilson has two years left on his contract. If you're Russell Wilson, if you're 34 years old, you're thinking extension right now. Does he want to be extended in Seattle, a team that is going nowhere, does not currently have a first round pick. They gave that up for Jamal Adams for some reason. And it looks like it's going to be a top 10 pick. Horrible trade for them. Russell Wilson probably does not want to have to live through that. If he's smart, he doesn't anyway. With two years left, he's very attractive to a trade partner. For Seattle, they're going to have to find some type of a five-year plan either way. I think, to be honest, it might be the end of the line for Pete Carroll, for, for John Schneider, two, I, I, in my opinion, a, a highly prized executive, a great coach, uh, two guys that really, it's, it's just not working out in Seattle anymore. Seattle needs a new start. If you brought in a new coach, new general manager, you can look at a rookie quarterback as kind of a, 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 a way to buy yourself a couple years. I think they'd like to do that. I think if the Steelers are picking 12 or something like that, Seattle would really prize that if they were to deal Russell Wilson based on the quarterbacks who are becoming available. It's not last year's class, but it's reasonable enough at 12 to think you're going to get a player you can get on the field in year two and start to build. Pittsburgh, yes, they could do the same thing as well, but I think Pittsburgh's got the roster, the cap space going into this season, and the ability to build a better team in year one and year two with Russell Wilson than Seattle does. So for Russell Wilson, who very much has, has pull in this situation, he has a no-trade clause, plus Pittsburgh fans saw it with Antonio Brown. Brown did not want to go to Buffalo. The Steelers had a first-round pick coming back from Buffalo for Brown. Brown said, no, I'm not playing in Buffalo. So what does Pittsburgh get? A three and a four from the then Oakland Raiders. Terrible return for a great player. Russell Wilson knows the score. He knows how this works. He can very easily say, no, I don't want to go to this team. I don't want to go to that team. Why wouldn't Russell Wilson want to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's the question that I have. With two years left in his contract, they could give him an extension when he walks in the door. The Steelers have cap space to do that. He's easily their starting quarterback next season. I don't think there's any question about that at all. They can cut Rudolph if they want at, at no cost at all. Pittsburgh has a better opportunity for Wilson to finish his career competing for another championship. And yes, the price is going to be high, and the Steelers haven't made a move like that before. They haven't been in, in the modern era, they haven't been in a situation where they have needed a starting quarterback truly since Tommy Maddox. And back then, Bill Cowher didn't even want to take a quarterback with 11 overall. He was looking at a running back. He wanted a guard. Totally different NFL. Completely different NFL. They need Russell Wilson. Seattle needs to rebuild. You're not able to do that around a 34-year-old quarterback who's making $25 million a year. Pittsburgh can pay him that. They can set him up on an extension that's very cap-friendly to help you know it kind of maneuver things around. Watt is, is the big cap guy next year. Pittsburgh can lower uh, Wilson's cap probably down to $20 million or so. Still have $25 million to spend in free agency. And yes, they give up picks to do that. But at some point here, they're going to need to identify a quarterback. And Wilson's a guy who could play that position well for four or five years still, in my opinion. So to me, I think it's a no-brainer for the Steelers. I really think that they should pursue that aggressively. We'll see if they do or not, but I get a feeling that this is part of the plan. I think that they they knew they were going to get to a point where so many young quarterbacks are coming into the league and so many veterans are kind of being cast out and even more of them want to get out because they, they want to start over somewhere else. The team isn't really you know working for them. Rodgers, Watson, you know, Wilson was complaining last year. Put all that together, Pittsburgh is a marquee destination, especially for a quarterback. He'd be an international brand the way that he is now and, and have an even better symbol behind him than Seattle and be able to play high-level football within an RPO offense. He's a very good RPO quarterback. 
everything fits, in my opinion, I, to a point where it's like, I wonder if this was not exactly what was on Pittsburgh's mind last year. I think Steelers Freak adds, ask a good question. And let me add that uh, John Clayton was on, I think it was 93-7, the fan. And he's hearing rumors that Seattle would want three first-round picks to make the deal happen. Well, you know, that, you and that's I want a lot of things. Yeah, that's just <laughs> you know? putting it out there. That's they're they're going to set the market. You know, yeah, they want to just put it out there. Um, but Steeler Freak adds a question: Do the Steelers have the pieces to make this attractive to West, to Russell Wilson? So, if Russell Wilson gets traded and accepts the trade and wants to do the trade, are the Steelers good enough, or do you think he would feel they're good enough if he's added to the mix that they can compete for a Super Bowl? They, the Steelers right now are younger than Seattle is. They're better than Seattle is. And they have a better future. Okay. Pittsburgh right now is a first round pick. Now, Wilson, in, in the situation we're talking about, Wilson is playing for a team that right now does not have a first round pick or is not going to. If he goes to Pittsburgh, they wouldn't have a first round pick either. But they have a bunch of cap space. Wilson coming in. Part of his reason, part of his issue in Seattle last season was what I, you know, the, the rumors were anyway, a lack of control over certain things within the offense. How hard is it to give him that? He can weigh in, he can give input. Doesn't mean that he's picking the players, but they have a lot of strategic picks that they need to make. And having the input of your quarterback only makes sense to some degree. They can give him that. You know, Seattle is the team that hasn't given him that up to this point, as far as we know. Uh, it, it very likely a new coaching staff in Seattle. Anyway, it's a complete and total overhaul in, in Seattle. What is it not in Pittsburgh? A complete and total overhaul. Why? Because they took care of foundational pieces this year. Okay. You've got a young quality tight end. You've got a three down running back. You've got young offensive linemen cap space to bring in other ones. You've got a good wide receiver in Deontay Johnson, Maybe Chase Claypool can figure it out at some point. He's still cheap for two more years. They have pieces. It's not a, a great final product right now, but how better are they if Russell Wilson is in there? How much better of a team are they going to be if Wilson's on, them, on that team right now? A bunch of money spent on defense. They have a good defensive core, and they can still add to all of this. Wilson is the guy. He's, he's the straw that's going to stir the drink. It makes the most sense, in my opinion, for anybody else in the league. For, for Wilson to get traded to Pittsburgh, I think they can do that with two ones and probably a two and exchange mid-round picks somewhere so you're not giving up a ton of assets over the next two, maybe three years. But that deal, to me, makes the most sense for both sides. If Seattle likes where Pittsburgh falls at the end of the year, that pick, and they like the quarterbacks that are available. They're probably not getting a guy that can or should start next year, but th there are veterans out there, and like I said – I thought Geno Smith did a pretty good job. I, I'm not sure he's he's not the guy that, that could get him through as a bridge player right now while they set up to rebuild themselves. Pittsburgh avoided that major rebuild, that complete overhaul by going through what they're going through right now. I like it. I, I like the plan. Hopefully it works out. Because um, I, I like – I would absolutely love Russell Wilson more than Jimmy G. I like Jimmy Easily. G as a player. Nobody, nobody wants uh, Jimmy G. But Jimmy G would be a pure bridge. Russell Wilson would be a continuation of what <laughs> you built. And Russell Wilson would put you in the position to compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is no. Aaron Rodgers is too old, and he's a head case. Great football player, but he's too old. And he's too much of a head case. And Jimmy G is no. If you don't go after Russell Wilson, and I think the Steelers will try to bring in a uh, Andy Dalton type next year to compete with Mason Rudolph to be the starter. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. And to Mark Tobin's point, uh, Russell Wilson is not a free agent next year. He has two years left on his deal. Go to over the cap and do a search for Russell Wilson. And speaking of large cap numbers, I couldn't believe it yesterday. I'm just throw this out before we get out of here. Uh, Russell Wilson's uh, not Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers' cap number next year is forty six million dollars. So and the, uh, and the Packers have to eat a ton of that to trade, and they've got to so eat. You better a ton believe of they want they yes. want equity in your team to yes, trade Rodgers. Yes, they yes. don't have any motivation to trade Rodgers next year. They yeah, none. none. Except he's not. If, if he gets traded, it's going to be for a boatload, or Rodgers will have so badly sabotaged whoever he's leaving 
he's going to bring the the toxic fumes of that with him wherever he yeah. goes. You don't want Rodgers. Plus, he's 40 next year anyway. Yeah. And you're going to have to pay. He Basically, if you trade for Rodgers next year, you are trading at least third round, three first round picks for a guy who's a pending free agent because he has an opt out clause the next year. So if he doesn't like things, he can leave. You have to give him an extension. And odds are incredible. What you pay for with Rodgers is going to overlap the time he's with your team. Uh, I, I understand what Tom Brady has done. Tom Brady is not the average player. He's not the standard of anything, okay? The dude's old. He's old. Rodgers is old. Rodgers doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be able to play forever, okay? With that, three years out, if you get three years from Rodgers, great. But you're paying a draft pick each of those years to have him. You don't want Rodgers, in my opinion, for for the cost, for everything concerned. Wilson is the best guy for the Steelers. So we'll see if it happens. I mean, we'll we'll throw it out there because nobody wants AR twelve products. Yeah, um, and I don't I don't think we've seen the worst of Rogers yet as far as what we're going for him to get his way out of Green Bay. He's gonna stoop low. <laughs> if, yeah. if anybody is surprised at anything that that guy is gonna do right now, you haven't been paying attention. And he's, before we get out nuts. of here, before we get out of here, thank you, Orange Mayor, uh, uh, for bringing it back up. Big up to Mel's wife. Big up to Felicia. Uh, happy birthday, Felicia. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic uh, vacation right now. Sounds like you're somewhere hot and tropical. And um, yeah, have a fantastic time. And and for all of you that hopped on and stayed on the program, thank you, everybody. And always, please support the program before we get out of here. Always tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers. <laughs>